Uh, but hey, thanks for letting me crash your party for the next two weeks. I appreciate it. Uh, just worked out pretty well, actually. Um, I think the only people in here other than my wife that would maybe hear what I'm teaching in family life would be Bruno and Chrissy, and they weren't there last week, so they didn't hear it. So good. It's new for them, too. Uh, that was not a diss on you guys not being there, either. Just <clears throat> So... All right, so hey, why don't you guys turn to the book of Numbers? That's where we're going to be out to be at tonight. Can I move this back? I feel like there we go. Sorry, I didn't want to keep spitting on you. All right, so turn to the book of Numbers. That's where we're going to be pretty much for our entire lesson tonight. And I didn't realize it, but apparently Chris uh, Van Sickle is really awesome, and she put a slideshow together for me um, because I accidentally sent her all of my notes, and I didn't even know I did that. So it just worked out perfect. Uh, so I guess I'll do that accidentally next week, too. Um, so tonight, we are going to be talking about uh, settling for less than God's best. I think that's what I titled it. I didn't write it all out in my notes. I just says settling. But I think it was settling for less than God's best. Is that what it says on your notes? Okay, good. We're good. We're good. All right. Okay, so I'm sure that we could go around the room and... You guys, everybody could probably have a story that they could tell about a time in their life where they settled for something, right? You, you settled for something that you wanted. You really wanted this, but you settled and, and you got this instead. Maybe for whatever reason, you couldn't afford the thing you really wanted, so you got the next best thing. Um, maybe you settled for uh, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, maybe the person you're here with tonight. Don't admit that if you did. Just keep smiling. I'm just kidding. It went, it went just the same way in family life. Uh, but listen, we won't, don't talk about it. Just, just, just let it go. Yep. Don't let them know. But if you break up after tonight, they're going to know that you settled for less than God's best. All right? Or at least that's what they're going to think. Just tell them it's, it's you and not them. Isn't that the way you do it? All right? All right, listen, I'm, I'm kidding, right? I'm kidding. Okay, so tonight we are going to talk about settling for less than God's best, okay? And again, we're going to be looking at this through a story in the book of Numbers, chapter 32. Did I already give you that, hopefully? Numbers chapter 32, and we're going to start in verse 1 and read through verse 5 to start off here. So, Numbers chapter 32 and verse 1. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle, and when they saw the land of Jazer... In the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and said, and to Eleazar the priest, and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, Adaroth and Deban and Jazer and Nimrah and Heshbon and Aleah, you know it, and Shebam and Nebo and Beon. Right? Even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore they said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for possession, and bring us not over uh, Jordan. Alright, so really quick, let me, uh, let's just set the context here. Let's get the context of where we're at here in Numbers chapter 32. So the nation of Israel, they're, they're out of Egypt. Uh, they've come through the wilderness. They've made it to the Jordan River, right? The border of Canaan. They're right on the border, right on the edge, about to go into the promised land. That's, that's where we're at. That's where we're picking this story up. All right? The land that God has promised them. He's promised that He's already given them this land. All they have to do is move forward across 
uh, the Jordan River and, and take Canaan, right? He even told him, he said, listen, I'll defeat your enemies, I'll conquer, I'll, I'll take care of all the battles. He said, all you need to do is you just need to cross the River Jordan and you need to take all the things that I've promised you. That's, that's what God told him. Okay, so now we're up to speed with the nation of Israel and their story here in the Old Testament. But I, I quickly want to remind us, okay, of the picture, this picture in the Old Testament and how it, this story in the Old Testament, how it pictures uh, the, us as a, as a New Testament believer in Christ, okay? So this picture for us is Egypt is a picture of the world. The wilderness is a picture of our journey, our walk, uh, our Christian life, right, to get to the promised land. And then remember, the promised land is spiritual maturity, okay? It's not heaven. Sometimes it gets mistaken that people think the promised land is heaven. It's not. In the Bible, it's, it's spiritual maturity, which is, is being fully surrendered and committed to following the Lord and resting in, in full peace in fulfilling His will for our lives. That's, that's when you come to spiritual maturity, when you can say, listen, God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to do it, I'm wholeheartedly going to follow you and I'm going to do whatever you say. And then you actually do it. When you actually do it, that's when you are a mature Christian, okay? So that's what we're, we're looking at tonight, all right? And so as we're going through this tonight, I want us to remember that picture, okay? All right, so back to our story in Numbers, all right? They get to the Jordan River. Israel gets to the Jordan River. They're getting ready to go into the Promised Land, okay? Finally, right? Finally, it's been 400 years it's been of slavery. It's been 40 years in the wilderness. And finally, it's time. They've heard about this their entire lives, right? Finally, finally, it's time to receive all the promises that God has for us. And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben said, nah, nah, we're good. We're good. They decided they didn't want to go any further. They didn't care to find out what was on the other side of Jordan. They didn't care to find out all the promises that God had for them. And we all know the stories, but let's just remind ourselves of, of what they didn't care to miss out on. All right? Let's look at the promises. God told them in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 8 that He would bring them up out of the land, which was, you know, bring them up out of Egypt, which He did, unto a, a good land and a large right? A good and large land unto a land that is flowing with milk and honey. And in Numbers chapter 13, uh, remember the, they went and they spied out Canaan first. Do you remember that? In Numbers chapter 13, and here's the thing, they came back and they told everybody, Here, here's what we saw, all right? Cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. All right, A cluster of grapes so big they brought back that two guys had to carry them on a staff. That's how big these grapes were. Now, I don't know about you, I've never seen anybody walking out of Aldi with two people carrying a cluster of grapes, right? Not like that. Remember Joshua and Caleb, remember their, uh, their, what they said about the, the promised land. They said it's an exceeding good land in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 7. And then let's look at, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, let's look at what's waiting for them on the other side. It says, Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 10, But when ye go over Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God giveth you, there it is, I mean, He already gave it to you, right? To inherit. And when He giveth you rest from all your enemies round about, so that ye dwell in safety. The land of God promised 
the land that God promised the nation of Israel had so much to offer. Exceedingly good. It was flowing with milk and honey. Fruit the size of your head. Right? Rest and peace and safety from all of their enemies. All they had to do was travel west across the Jordan River and just do what God said. And He would take care of it all for them. But the children of Reuben and Gad, they looked around and they were satisfied right where they were. They looked around at the nice fresh grass and man, plenty of water, right? Because they, they were already still next to the Jordan River. So fresh grass, plenty of water. And they said, you know what? Let's just settle right here. Why, why go any further? Let's just settle right here. Let, let's look at it again in, in our text in verse 5. It says, Wherefore said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession, and bring us not over Jordan. They said, uh, and they're talking to Moses, they say, hey, hey Mo, uh, man, listen, if you don't mind, if you don't care, we don't want to go any further west. All right? We don't want to receive all the promises that God has for us on the other side of Jordan. We have all we need right here. We have everything that we've been looking for right here. Man, how many of us in our lifetime have said the exact same thing? Now, God, you know what? I'm not interested in growing spiritually. I don't need discipleship. Guys, I don't, I don't need to go to any men's ministry things. Forget that. Ladies, I don't need blueprints. I don't need a path for growth. I don't need MTT. I don't need all that stuff. Right? How many times have we said that? You know what? I'm saved. I'll spend eternity in heaven. I have a, I have a great multitude of things going on for me right here. I'm, I'm good. I feel blessed right here where I'm at. I'll just stay right here. I'll just stay right here east of the promised land if you don't mind. Now listen, we're smart enough. We're good Laodiceans, right? We would never say that verbally. We would never tell our leaders at our church, hey, I'm good. That path of growth thing, nah, I'm, I'm good. We would never say that. But as they say, your actions speak louder than your words, don't they? So you'll find out later that, listen, God is fine with them staying right where they're at. And here's the thing about God. He's proven this out throughout His Word many times. He gives us the desires of our heart, doesn't He? He's proven it out many times. When it comes to following Him, He's not going to force anybody to do something they don't want to do. But let's keep looking. Let's see if we can glean a few things from this passage. Let's see if we can get some understanding as to why. Why did the children of Reuben and Gad choose to settle for less? Let's see if we can relate to the reasons. Let's see if we can relate uh, at what caused them to settle for less than God has and, and see if it's the same thing that we settle for. Let's look at our, our text here again in Numbers and let's look at verse 1 again in, in verse 4. Verse 1, uh, we'll just skip to the part I'm looking for here. Reuben and Gad said, uh, they had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they, they saw the land... The place was a place for cattle. And in verse 4, the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Hey, it's a land for cattle. And guess who has cattle? We got cattle, right? We got cattle. Oh, not only do we have cattle, we have a very, very great multitude of cattle. And did you notice the phrase in verse 1? 
Did you notice the phrase? It says, and when they saw the land. See, they let their eyes affect the desires of their flesh. The first thing that can cause us to settle for less than God has for us, less than God's best, is our flesh. I think that's number one, point number one on your outline. You see, the children of Reuben and of Gad, they had a very great multitude of cattle. They saw the land that they were in, and they saw possibilities, right? They saw possibilities to grow their herd. Back in the day, in the, in the, in the time of the Old Testament especially, if somebody had a lot of cattle, they were usually considered wealthy. They saw an opportunity to, to add to their portfolio, right? They saw an opportunity uh, they saw an opportunity. They, they thought, man, I could add an extra adjective, right? I can add an extra adjective to the amount of cattle we have. Instead of very great multitude, we can have a very, very great multitude. Man, their eyes were playing tricks on them. The lust of the eyes, we see, uh, the lust of the eyes, we see something and we want it. We see something, we have to have it. Something that we could benefit from. Our flesh tells us, man, you got to have that thing. You got to have it. And boy, we've seen the lust of the eyes play this trick out more than once in the Bible, haven't we? Right? The one that got the whole fleshly sin thing started in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And then the, this story here in Numbers is, is eerily similar to what happened in Genesis chapter 13, starting in verse 5. And Lot also, which went with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. And in verse 6, it says that their substance was great. Now his substance was just great. It wasn't even very great, right? But it was, it was great. And in verse 10 of Genesis chapter 13, it says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, and it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. So Eve saw the tree that it was good for food and desired to make one wise. Lot saw the same plain of Jordan that the children of Reuben and Gad are seeing right here. It's the same spot. They had a desire and their flesh for what they saw. And we all know how both of those scenarios turned out. Not very good, right? And listen, this plays out in our lives so often. We see something that we like. We have to have it right now. We live in a world of instant gratification. The lust of our eyes triggers our flesh. And we let our flesh dictate our actions i gotta have that thing i gotta have that person i gotta have that relationship right uh, how many of you have ever wanted some sort of a big ticket item uh, for some reason i don't know why i always think of some sort of electronic that costs a lot of money or, or a car maybe or something like that right and, and you just have to have it you go to the store and it's the last one they have it's not the color you want it's not the one you want but it is one of the things you want, and you're like, I ain't leaving this store or this car lot until I take it with me. I got to have it, right? Your mind's made up. You're not leaving without it. So you buy it, and then a few weeks, a few months down the road, whatever it may be, usually with electronics, it's the next day, right? They always come out with something new. 
man, then you end up having like buyer's remorse, right? You get that car and you're driving down the road and you see the one, the color you actually wanted driving by and you're so annoyed, right? That iPhone comes out and it's got new pixels on the camera because that's like the only thing they ever update, right? But you're annoyed because you wanted those extra pixels or whatever, I don't know. But listen, we had to have it though, didn't we? Had to have it. So what did we do? We settled. We settled for less than what we really wanted. Less than maybe if we'd have been patient. Maybe if we'd have shopped around a little bit. Maybe if we'd have took our time. Maybe if we'd have drove to Canton instead of shopping here in T County. Maybe we'd have found exactly what we wanted, but we couldn't wait. That was a 25-minute drive. It was too long. I had to go right across the road. Right? We couldn't wait. We see something that we have to have. We see something we want. We don't wait on the Lord. We just take it now. We buy that thing we couldn't afford. We date that guy or that girl, or we get married to that guy or that girl that isn't saved yet, right? Yet. Uh, because we let the lust of our eyes dictate our actions. And our flesh causes us to settle for less. Another thing that we can see here in this story that can cause us to settle for less than God has is our fathers. Or you could say maybe our family. Our fathers, or, or maybe you could say our family. And look back at our text in Numbers, and let's look at uh, verses 6-9 through nine now. It says, <clears throat> And Moses said unto the children of Gad and unto the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war, and shall ye sit here? And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them? Thus did your fathers when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up unto the valley of Eshcol, and they saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. Moses said, are you seriously going to do the same thing your dads did? Thus did your fathers. That's what he says. Moses said, are you really going to do this again? Is this really going to play out again? Do I really have to deal with this again? Moses says, you're going to discourage the people just like your fathers did if you come at them with this junk. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, as they say, right? That's what, that's what Moses is telling them. And if you drop down to verse 14 in Numbers 32, it says, And behold, Moses is talk, still talking to them. He, he's, so from verse 6 through 14, he's just ripping on them. All right? And he, verse 14, he says, And behold, ye are risen up in your father's stead and increase, an increase of sinful men to augment yet the fierce anger of the Lord toward Israel. Moses was not happy with them. He was not loving this idea when they brought it to him. He was ticked. He was ticked, right? He had some hard things to say that, to them. He was clearly upset about the whole thing and every, the whole plan they were coming with. Moses said, man, you're acting just like your dad. Don't you hate hearing that, guys? Especially when it's something negative. Do they ever say you're acting just like your dad in a good tone when it's something good? It's always in a negative, right? I'm sure that ruffled their feathers a little bit. He says, remember when, remember when your father spied out the land and gave the bad report? Man, remember their fathers back then? They wanted to go back to Egypt. They said, listen, let's raise up a captain. Let's stone these guys and let's head back to Egypt. That's what they said back then. They thought life was better where they were. They thought life was better in Egypt. And that's why they didn't want to go into Canaan. Remember Numbers chapter 13 and verse 31. It says, but the men went up with him that went up with him said we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we 
right? And in verse 32, it says that they brought up an evil report. And then in verses, Numbers 14, 1-4, it says, And all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. They got everybody all stirred up. They're crying. And then at the end of verse 4, it says, Let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. That's what they wanted to do. This was their father's report. They didn't want to go into the promised land and fight the giants. And they caused division. And they caused stir. They caused Israel to doubt the promise that God had already given them. However, the children of Reuben and Gad, they did at least redeem themselves a little bit. Okay, They redeemed themselves. Look at verse 16 in Numbers chapter 32. It says, And they came near unto him. I can just picture this. Moses just gets done berating them, belittling them, and just ripping them a new one about them being just like your dad. Right? And I could just picture as Moses is getting louder and more boisterous, I could picture Gad and Reuben's tribe just stepping back away from Moses, right? Because it says, and they came near unto him. They're like, okay, now that you're done, let me, let me explain, right? Let me explain. And they said, we will build sheepfolds here for our cattle and cities for our little ones. In verse 17, but we ourselves will go ready, armed before the children of Israel, until we have brought them unto their place, and our little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities because of the inhabitants of the land. You see, when it comes to our walk, right, our growth, our spiritual maturity, we can choose to be different than our fathers, right? We can choose to be different than our upbringing. It doesn't have to look the same way from the example that we had, the spiritual example that we had, right? We can still choose to not let the way we were brought up, maybe the hypocrisy that we saw, maybe the dysfunction that we saw. Listen, we don't have to let that stunt our spiritual growth. And although the children of Reuben and Gad are they're wanting to settle for less than all that God has for them, unlike their fathers, unlike the example that they've had set before them, they, are, they aren't wanting to try and persuade others not to grow. Right? They're saying, hey, look, we'll go and fight with them. We don't have any problem with that. They said, we, we don't, listen, we don't want the promises, but we'll help the others get theirs. And some of you sitting in here might think, yeah, that's me. That's me. Listen, I, I, that is very admirable, right? Very admirable of them. I'm the same way. I don't want to grow spiritually, but everybody who does, man, have at it. I want them to grow. That's going to be better for our church body. That's going to be better for the well. If the guys in here and the girls in here continue to grow, that's going to be great. I'm not going to stunt anybody's growth like my fathers did, right? I I want them to grow. Good for them. And you think that's admirable. But can I just tell you something? Man, you're happy for them. You want them to grow. But can I just say this? Complacency is contagious. Complacency is contagious because if those around you, your friends, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, if they see your complacency and your lack of desire to grow and to seek what's best, what's God's best is for you, man, they'll be satisfied to do the same. Birds of a feather, right? They'll be satisfied to do the same thing and they, will, they won't seek what God has for them. So sometimes we settle for less because of our flesh. Sometimes we can settle for less because of the examples 
that we have in front of us, our fathers or maybe our family, our upbringing. And sometimes we can choose to settle for less because of our fear. That's your last point there. Because of our fear. Look at Numbers chapter 32 and verse 17 again. But we ourselves, okay, this is the men talking to, to Moses. We ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them unto their place and our little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities. What's the reason? Because of the what? That's what I get in family life. I'll ask a question and nobody answers. Is it up there? Because of the what? The inhabitants. The inhabitants of the land, right? What were their fathers afraid of? What was it? The giants, right? And what are they afraid of? Same people. The people who are living there. Just like their fathers. They let the fear of the giants and their enemies cause them to not want to move forward. Cause them to not want to have what God has for them. Right? They let their fear overcome their faith. The children of Reuben and Gad were afraid. They were afraid of what might happen to their families. That's what they were afraid of. They said, listen, we'll go fight, but let our families and all of our cattle and all of our things and all of our stuff, let it stay over here. We'll go fight. That way, at least if we die, they get to keep living. They, they were afraid. Numbers chapter 32 and verse 26 says, Our little ones, our wives, our flocks, and our cattle shall be there in the cities of Gilead. But thy servants will pass over every man armed for war before the Lord to battle, as my Lord saith. We'll do what you said, Moses. Listen, we'll do what you said. We'll go fight, but man, we, we, please, don't put that on our families. We don't want to lose all of our stuff. Drop down to verse 32, Numbers 32, 32. It says, We will pass over armed before the Lord in the land of Canaan, um, that the possession of our inheritance on this side of Jordan may be ours. And Moses gave unto them, even to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben and unto the half-tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sion, king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the land with the cities thereof in the coast, or excuse me, in the coasts, even the cities of the country round about. So Moses agrees to the deal. All right, he's heard enough. He finally, they wear him down. He says, listen, fine. He agrees to the deal. And remember when I said just literally two minutes ago about complacency being contagious? Did you look at verse 33 again? Look at it again. All of a sudden in verse 33, Gad and Reuben are, are laying out this plan to Moses, right? And Moses said, okay, fine. You, Gad, and the children of Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Where'd they come from all of a sudden? Where did they come from? The half-tribe of Manasseh is standing around. They're hearing this thing playing out. And they're like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I don't want to move forward either. Listen, why don't we just stay here too? Remember when I said complacency is contagious? They didn't want what God had for them either. And they weren't even in this thing. Like They weren't even in the conversation. Okay? Listen, they were fearful that they would go into the land of giants and lose. That they'll lose their families and they'll lose all their possessions. Again, they aren't trusting what God had already promised. 
God had already promised that He would fight the battles for them. He already promised, this is your land. This is your inheritance. This is yours. Just do what I said and it's yours. As believers, we sometimes allow the same fear to keep us from walking forward and growing spiritually, don't we? We're afraid that if, if we start to grow and we start to follow the Lord with our whole hearts, man, wholeheartedly, Lord, I just want whatever you want. And I'm just going to set on my path right now to just whatever you want, God. I just want to grow and get closer to you. Sometimes we're afraid that if we do that, we might lose friends. Uh, so maybe you guys don't have kids in here right now, but you know, as parents, we're afraid that our kids will not will lose friends. You know, if, if we don't let them do every single thing, if they're not involved in every single activity at school or sporting event or whatever, well, if they're not a part of it, well, okay. Well, what if they're not? Who cares? We're afraid it might strain the relationship with our spouse or our, our boyfriend or girlfriend or maybe another family member, right? That doesn't care if we grow or not. Um, I remember Jeff one time gave a great example of, listen, you're, you're holding hands with God and the things of this world. It may be friends. And if it's your friends, they're going to pull you and you're going to be pulled in two directions. You can't hold on forever. At one point, you've got to let go of one or the other. I'm afraid to sell out for the Lord and seek His promises and all that He has for me. I'm afraid that I'll have to say no to some things. I'll have to, man, I might have to say no to that job promotion that's going to cause me to have to travel or that's going to cause me to be at work a little longer, a little later, maybe on the weekends. Maybe I'll miss some church if I take that promotion um, or if I don't take that promotion. I might have to say uh, no to some hobbies of mine. Man, I really love my hobbies. I might have to say no to staying up all night playing games and hanging out with my buddies, hanging out with my girlfriends, whatever. Somehow we convince ourselves that having all of our possessions that we're living and all the things of our life on the east side of Jordan where it feels safe and it feels comfortable because we're afraid to move forward. We allow the fear to overcome our faith. Instead of just trusting God, Moving west across the Jordan, trusting that God already said, listen, I've got all these promises for you. All you got to do is just believe me and move forward in faith. He said, I'll fight the battles because there will be battles. Listen, when you desire and you seek to follow the Lord and you want to move forward and grow spiritually, I promise you there will be battles. I promise you there will be battles. Uh, listen, if you don't believe me, you can go back and look. I don't have the reference offhand. When Jesus got baptized when He was here on this earth, the very next chapter was when He was in the mountain and Satan was tempting Him. As soon as He did what God the Father wanted Him to, there's Satan tempting Him. There will be battles. But good news is God says, listen, I'm already taking care of those things for you. Trust me. Rely on My Word. So again, instead of us trusting God and moving west across the Jordan, trusting Him to fight our battles, and receiving all that God has promised us, and not settling for less than the best that God has for us. These are just a few things that can cause us to settle for less than God's best. Don't let that happen to us. And listen, if you're here tonight, and man, one of the things I could just honestly tell you as far as not settling for less than God has for you is God desires a relationship with each and every one of us. Don't settle for less than that. 
Find out what that means tonight. Don't leave here without doing that. Find out what that means. What does it mean to have a relationship with God? Man, ask whoever invited you. Ask somebody sitting next to you, whatever. He wants to have a relationship with you. Find out what that means tonight. Okay? Uh, Next time, next week, thankfully, I'm allowed to come back. Hopefully. I don't know. We're not done yet. Um, But next week, what we're going to do is we're going to look at why choosing the east side of Jordan was not a good idea. Okay? I want us to realize that direction, the direction that we choose to move in our life, the direction that we choose to settle in, is actually very important. And next week we're going to look at why. All right? Cool. Let me pray. Dear God, I just come to you, and, and God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of it. Um, I know I'm, I'm weird in the fact that I, I love the harsh truth of your word because it keeps me in line. Uh, Lord, I thank you for just putting some of these things right across the plate for us, Lord. Um, we, we have two choices. Move forward and continue to grow in you or sit and be settled where we're at and see what happens next week. Lord, I thank you so much for this time we've had together. I thank you for everybody here. And uh, again, just thank you for your word. We love you. In your name we pray, amen.